Take your Bibles out. We'd like to read our scripture lessons for today. Our Old Testament text is from Isaiah chapter 6, the first seven verses. Familiar passage. You're welcome to sit back and listen to it as it's read. You're welcome to get your own Bible out and follow along if you'd like. If you'd like to take a pew Bible out, you'll find the page number where it's found in the pew Bible listed in the bulletin. Listen here to God's Word. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with a train of His robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above Him, each having six wings. With two He covered His face, with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of Him who called out, while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Amen. Our gospel lesson and Christmas reading for today is taken from Luke, the first chapter, verses 26 to 38. Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. This is at the very beginning of the Christmas story where a virgin who lives in Nazareth receives an angelic visitation. Listen here to God's Word. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Amen. And our primary text today is from Revelation, the fourth chapter, the 11 verses of that chapter. The first three chapters of Revelation are pretty much here and now, that is, written to seven churches in Asia and letters to them. Now, the scene is going to shift, and uh, we'll catch up on it 
today. Listen here to God's Word. After these things I looked, that is, John the Apostle on Patmos looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Out from the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, and in the center and around the throne four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf or a bull. The third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, to Him who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders will fall down before Him who sits on the throne, and will worship Him who lives forever and ever, and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are You, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created all things, and because of Your will they existed and were created. Amen. We'll take just a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's Word, which we've read. Gracious God, thank You for Your goodness to us. Thank You, Lord, for Your light which shines out, reaching the world that lies in great darkness. We pray, Lord God, for Your illumination and Your help today in this service of worship and in the preaching of Your Word. We pray this through Christ, our Savior, the Lord of all. Amen. Let's start today with a little quiz. They're going to project an image onto the screen here. What is that image? Anyone know what that is? It's a blank screen. Oh, who recognizes that? What is that? It's the White House. You're very smart. You're very perceptive. Thank you. You know, now, I'm going to project another thing up here. Let's, let's project the next thing. What's this? Anyone recognize that? Israel. What else? It's the Dome of the Rock. It sits on the Temple Mount. We're doing pretty good. I'm impressed. Uh, let's try another one. Huh. What's that? Anyone recognize that? Some people do. That's the Louisiana Memorial at Gettysburg. We just had a group of people out there on a tour, and, and we looked at that, and we said, well, what in the world is that? And that, the figure, we couldn't figure the figure out. You know what I mean? Is it a male or is it a female? Well, we weren't certain. Uh, and it's not, is it human or angelic? We weren't quite sure. It's a figure that represents something. And now down on below there, there's a dead soldier. We can tell that. Uh, now, what that is, it's actually the... The, the figure is supposed to be the spirit of the Confederacy. Uh, the sword is sheathed, 
and she's lamenting her dead that died at Gettysburg and in the wars and stuff like that. Uh, okay, you take that down. Revelation chapter 4 is not a photograph. Okay, we read all those things. Uh, do we have a, I think I, I want you to put that up there so people know that. Revelation 4 is not a photograph. In fact, Revelation 4 is full of symbols. There. It's a representation filled with symbols. Uh, it's, it is literal. It's not a fairy tale. These realities that it speaks of in Revelation 4 exist. They're really there. But we cannot adequately wrap our minds around what they are. And so they're projected for us. They are, they're here, they're represented for us. And I think what we need to think about is what it says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, what God has prepared for those who love Him. It says, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. Uh, that's good. So, Revelation 4 is not a photograph, but it is prophetic. Now, in verse, uh, let me see where it is here. Verse 1, here's what it says. These are the, let's go to the next, next slide that we have here. These are things, I will show you what must take place after these things. The word must is there in the Greek. It is, these are not things that are arbitrary. These are not things that can be voted on. These are things which must take place. They're going to take place. So it's prophetic. It's there, they must, they've not happened yet. They must happen. They're in the future. But then it also says, it says, I will show you what, go ahead with the next slide. What must take place after these things? Well, what are, what's the after and what are the, do these things refer to? Uh, my understanding is that these things refer to subsequent to the reading of this letter. When you've read this letter, after that, that's when these things are going to happen. Now, this is not about things that are far off. Uh, as we know, about here is where in chapter 4 of Revelation is where everyone shakes hands and goes their different ways in terms of how, what it means. And then we come back to about verse uh, chapter 20, we, should we shake hands and say, good to see you again, and we agree with, with that. So in the middle, you know, it's sort of, uh, it's up there. So th this is what, how I understand this. Now, uh, this revelation is not about things that are far off. Why is that? Look at Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. If this, Daniel says, uh, God tells him, but as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal the, up the book. Daniel's told to do that with what he had seen. He doesn't, he, he's not to display that or say, say what it's about, because those are things that are still in the distant. And those things were distant about 450 years, okay? Later on here in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 10, I think it is, uh, John's going to be told, when the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. So there are things that are sealed up. But now, listen to what, again, says at the end of the book of Revelation, it says this. He said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. So all those things together lead me to think, to understand that, that what we see here is not far off, but is very near uh, to the people who, who received it initially. Now, you can take that down, that's, that's fine. Now, the seven churches 
that we read about, we read the letters that they needed to be instructed, they needed to be comforted, they needed to be equipped for what lay ahead. Most of Revelation is about the short-term future for them. Now, some of it's history. When we get into chapter 5, which will be, you know, later on this month, we'll, we'll read about Jesus' birth. We'll also see Jesus' death, that where His work as the Lamb of God is accomplished. We'll see. So, some of it is already history by the time uh, it's revealed to John, and, and he sees that. Uh, some of Revelation is about the consummation of all things. That is, it's about Judgment Day and the final coming of Christ. The marriage feast is what I call when, when the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place. But the bulk of Revelation is about Jerusalem, the Jews, and the march of the Roman legions to take it. Until in AD 70, there's a collapse, and the whole Jewish enterprise falls down. The temple is raised in ruin, never to be built again so far. We don't think it will be. And uh, it's a catastrophe of unimaginable magnitude for all people, even those seven churches. All the churches focus back on Jerusalem and Israel. Think of the Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. We need to find out what's right and what's wrong. How should we conduct ourselves? They listen to Jerusalem, what Jerusalem has to say. Paul collected an offering all around the churches of, of the Middle East and Asia Minor and Europe, a collection to go back and help the saints in Israel, in Jerusalem because of what was going on there, a famine, etc. And it's natural because for all the churches, now if, remember in, if the book of Revelation is written in the 60s. Uh, they don't have a, the New Testament Bible like we have it yet. Some of those books, most of those books have been written, but they're not collected together. That'll take a little while. Uh, so their Bible is the Old Testament. And if there's anything the Old Testament teaches us, it's that Jerusalem's at the center of the earth, the center of God's plans. And that anything could happen to Jerusalem and the temple there would be unthinkable. In fact, many of them wonder, should we be going to Jerusalem? Three times a year or something like that, should that be going on? Now, at the same time that uh, we've mentioned what's, what's, what's happening with, in Jerusalem with uh, the Roman legions marching on it, at the same time in the mid-60s, the Neronian persecution, the persecution under Nero begins to happen. That's the one where famously he takes Christians and wraps them in furs and puts them up on pedestals and lights them on fire to provide illumination for his garden parties after the, the fire in Rome. Uh, in the mid-60s is when both Peter and Paul are executed in Rome. And so here are the two primary leaders of the church. They're killed, they're executed, they're martyred as enemies of the state. Many Christians will have to flee their places, their of residence and their homes. And, you know, it's going to be a tumultuous time. The Christians in Jerusalem in particular, we'll see about them in just a few weeks, uh, they're going to have to flee to not be caught up in the destruction that awaits Jerusalem in AD 70. Now, Revelation, despite all the things it says to the seven churches, Revelation is also for us. It's for all Christians. Here's what John wrote, what, what uh, the Lord told him uh, that we need to know as well. It's, remember Revelation chapter 1 verse 3, it says this. It does say this somewhere, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. So it's for all of us, blessed are those who read and those who hear the words of this prophecy. Uh, we need to know that. But the prophecy itself, the time is near, by and large. Now, let's talk about, you can take that down now. 
uh, I'm way over time, but I got to get through this because I don't know when else we'll do it. And uh, you're wondering, well, we read all this stuff in Revelation 4. What's it mean? Well, we'll be here till three o'clock if I try to tell you all what it means. But here's the representations as I understand them. Then we'll have a little bit of application time. Uh, the one who sits on the throne, who's described uh, obscurely, but gloriously, that's the Trinity. That's God in His fullness. That's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit on the throne. And it's described with these, these stones, like precious stones. And we're not sure what those stones even looked like back then, but they, or if they correspond to what we have now. But the impression, the representation is that this is glorious, 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 wonderful, hard to believe. And light is emanating from it. And it's uh, all sorts of things that cannot be described. And around this throne, coming from it, is a rainbow. Now, why a rainbow? Because the rainbow goes all the way back to Genesis 9 and God's covenant promise that He would provide, He'd never do the earth again under water, but He'll provide salvation for those who come to Him who, who, who He calls to be His own. So it reminds us of God's a covenant-keeping God. That's the one who sits on the throne. How about the 24 elders? Those 24 elders, I would say, represent all the elect of God down through human history. They're all represented there in those 24 elders. Uh, they're sitting on thrones. Remember, we shall rule with Christ. We shall reign and rule with Christ. Uh, they're robed in white because they've been made righteous by the blood of Christ. They're ones who've been redeemed by Him. They don't have a righteousness of their own. They've been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. They have crowns on their head. Indeed, they are ruling. And they're from the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. Those th two foundational groups of Old and New Testament, the 12 uh, tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles, and their, their names will be on the foundation stones of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Those same 24 persons will be mentioned there. So that's who I take the 24 elders to be. How about the four living creatures? They're high-ranking angels. Now, people have all kinds of ideas about the ranks of angels. So I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but these are four of the highest-ranking angels there are. Uh, and they each represent and show uh, an order of the created thing. So, you have the lion, the, the head of all the wild beasts. You have the calf or the bull calf, who's the head of all the domesticated animals, the strongest of them. You have the eagle, which is the most uh, regal of all the uh, birds. And you have human beings, which are the highest of all of God's creation. They're singular in that, that respect. These represent that, I think it's like all of Psalm 150, where everything praises God. These things are filled with, well, first of all, when you see them, you realize this is not your hallmark typical angel, right? You don't see a representation like this in Hallmark or wherever you would see it. This is something entirely different. It comes from God. And uh, uh, what we do see, know there, is that they see all things clearly. They have eyes inside and out. They never go asleep. Uh, and they respond rightly to all they see. Their right, the right response is they worship. They worship the one who sits on the throne, the holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They worship the one who sits on the throne. They honor Him. They glorify Him. They give thanksgiving to Him, for He has created all things. And the fourth thing we see is that worship fills heaven. We don't know what it's like. I don't think we've experienced anything close to what worship in heaven is like. Now, that's not, there's more that happens than that, but here in this, when, when they're trying to show us at the beginning, 
Worship fails heaven. We're, it's all honor, glorifying, thanksgiving to God. And we're, we're, we're struck by that and lost in the wonder of that and thankful to be a part of that. Now, applications. We read the passage from Isaiah because he was in a time like we all tend to be, well, not like him perhaps, in a time of change when things are a little bit in an uproar. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, why does he give that marker? Because Uzziah had been king for over 50 years. And his demise, his death, is a great time of transition and wonder, what's going to happen next? Is it going to be all right? And there, as he's reflecting on this, what does he see? He sees God on a throne, high and lifted up, glorious above all. He's perfectly just. He's fiercely awesome. He sees God on his throne, just like John and the seven churches say, see God on his throne. He's awesome. And they need to know what? Psalm 103 verse 19 is the key thing that is emphasized there. That's the one that says, but uh, they're going to project it up here in just a second. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. That over, over heaven and earth and everything that is. He's established that. His sovereignty rules over all. By the way, the book of Revelation talks about thrones much, much, much more than any other book in the Bible. And uh, uh, it's just filled with thrones. God, God's reigning, God's supreme there. Now, so Isaiah's passage confirms uh, a basic insight about the Lord that we see in Revelation 4. He reigns, He rules, He's to be worshipped. How about the passage from Luke that we read? Well, Mary's world is about to be rocked. In my Bible, where it says, the, the angel Grecia says, Hail, uh, favored one, the Lord is with you. I put in my, I wrote in my margin here, Little does Mary know what that means, <laughs> that she's favored of the Lord. <clears throat> and she's going to experience things that are going to be remarkable, things that are impossible, things that no one is going to believe that actually happened to her. And she's going to go through things that she would never have dreamt of, this little young woman in Nazareth. She, the angel tells her, you're going to bear a baby. Well, how can that be? I'm a, I'm a virgin. Well, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to overpower you, overshadow you, and you'll become pregnant. And your son, you'll give a son, you'll name him Jesus, which means Savior. And he's, he's going to be from the, the line of David. And he's going to sit on the royal throne, and his kingdom will have no end. He's going to rule forever and ever and ever. That's like some young woman in Elroy receiving a notification from an angel of God, that this is going to happen to her because Nazareth was not a big place. Israel was not a well-known spot for all the Roman Empire. It was a backwater place. And, and here is the declaration that here's what's going to happen. Something's going to change the entire world. How can this be? The angel says, because nothing is impossible with God. And what Stan and Judy said in their in, 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 thing about hope here, is that uh, uh, God has plan A. Here's what he's going to do. Mary, you're part of that. You're favored. 
trust in him. And she says, may it be done to me according to your word. And what she knows, here we can put this up, the, my last point of all this. What she knows and what we need to know as well is that God is able to do what he says he'll do because he's almighty God. He's almighty God. He's not us. He's almighty God. God is willing to do what he said he's going to do for he's a faithful father. He cares for his people. Therefore, let us worship him. So notice that the title of the sermon is a view of heaven, not a picture of heaven. It's a view that we can see all of what's there. We see a almighty God and a faithful father, one through whom, to whom we should cast our crowns, worship him, for he is worthy. Amen.